Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kitty Aki. That's me. Welcome back. I'm really excited because I have a poet from Colombia on. Her name is Ana Maria Caballero, and she is a first-generation Colombian-American poet and artist. We met in the Web3 community. Thank you so much, Ana, for joining me. How are you? Very well, Katie. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, my pleasure. You're my new role model. Growing up with Greek mythology and Socrates and Plato, the Republic and language, Mark Twain, Maya Angelou, those were my legendary mentors through this whole entire time. And it's been very rare to find a poet that just like has just wisped my soul in such a unique way. And so I really enjoy uh, following your journey and, you know, the marks you've made in your journey. So we'd love to talk about that today and, and share your journey with the audience here. Sure. Um, yeah. I'd love to share it too. So where were you raised in Colombia? Um, I was raised between Bogota and Miami, pretty much a back and forth with the ebb and flow of a little bit of the security and political situation in Colombia. Okay, wonderful. And then when did you have the intuitive hit uh, that you were an artist or like, how was that for you? Well, I started writing, um, you know, I think pretty terrible poetry in middle school on the backs of my school journals. And I realized that I had a problem when I was filling up my journals for social studies or for math or for whatever with these poems that I was writing. I remember reading Sandra Cisneros's The House on Mango Street, which we read in, I believe it was seventh or eighth grade. And I just was like, it was like a, you know, a floodgate opened and I was writing, 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 writing. Um, and then I used to have to bike to the drugstore to buy more notebooks because I had filled mine up with these scribbles uh, of poetry. And I actually started a blog many years later called The Drugstore Notebook. That's how I started sort of on the internet. And I would write uh, my thoughts on books. And I also had little poetry competitions for people to, to share their work. And I also started telling people that, you know, they could send me their rejected poems. <laughs> and I would just like put them on this blog that was, you know, it's just a small sort of really kind of backyard activity. But that's how I started sort of sharing my work on, on the internet. And it was like an homage to these black and white composition drugstore notebooks um, that I used to go on my bike to Eckerd Drugstore and buy in Miami. And which year was this around? So um, I'm a baby of 81. So this was probably 90, no, like 94. So you were a teenager on the internet with the blog. And from what I'm hearing is two things. Being a self-starter, starting something of your own, you came up with a brand name and you had a blog. In addition, your heart is so wide that you gifted as a producer other people an opportunity to participate with you. So you weren't doing it alone. You made it, you know, very interactive, which I think is really great skill sets for a young entrepreneur, you know, wanting to... <laughs> take part in their artistry. That's really beautiful. That's, I mean, it's funny for me to hear that because it was not like a, you know, high quality production 
effort. It was really just me sharing it on WordPress and like having a little bit of fun with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, you know, all the Silicon Valley people, they they start in a garage. You know, it's like it's the intimacy and that's what community is all about and really starting small and connecting with the core. And then those skill sets that you did when, when you're a teenager leads us to where we're going to grow to with what you started and, and where you are now. So I always love to hear uh, the root story of, of how it sparks and how it started. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then so you've been a part of so many, you know, poetry competitions, winning prizes in Paris and London and, you know, in Colombia, where you're from. So can you share some of your experience of entering into these competitions and just the language and, and the research of how to go about that? I think I'll open with the fact that I really believe that there's no shortcut. First, for, for being a poet and for getting your work out there. I mean, I do think that social media has reduced the barriers to entry and there's a real opportunity to put your work out there in a thoughtful way and to connect with an audience. But, you know, if you want to have your work published traditionally, which I think in the end, you know, most poets, most of us do, we want to, we don't want to just self-publish our whole lives. We want to actually, you know, hopefully win a prize or or get published by by like a you know a real publishing house or in a literary journal so i've been doing this for many many years katie and my first sort of foray was actually in colombia in spanish i lived there during my 20s and worked and like was you know single and breakups and all sort of that like mess of the 20s um and so i was writing in spanish and i gathered all these poems when i had my first child, which is the first time I stopped working. I've worked my whole life since I was a teenager. And so it was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm going to actually stop working. But you know, my, my brain kept kind of going and I'm like, I'm going to organize all these poems and put them into a manuscript. And I started sending them out to contests, to literary journals, and they actually won a national poetry prize in Colombia. Um, and I was the first woman to, to win this honor. It was like a big surprise for me. And, you know, it really sort of opened my eyes to my own work. You know, I, I obviously had some sort of faith in it. But after this, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be more even deliberate than I was being before. And I turned to my English language work, and I started sending it out and organizing and editing and getting so many rejections, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rejections, which I still continue to continuously receive. Mm -hmm. And that's just part and parcel of being a writer, rejection. And, you know, I also um, started taking workshops, writing workshops, and I really recommend doing these. There's tons online. There's great MFA programs that are in public universities. And because poets, you know, have a very hard time to not say impossible of making a living as poets, many fantastic poets are teachers. And so, you know, I looked up at that point, I was living in the US, I looked up my local university, which was Florida International University, and I applied to get an MFA and doing it at my own pace. Um, you know, I work during the day, I have children. Um, so I was doing one class a week, and I'm, I'm still actually doing my MFA, I'm about to, to graduate, but I've learned so much from going back to school. And, you know, lists and lists of literary journals where to submit your work to, workshopping my poems, realizing what works, what doesn't, reading other poets' work, and just going through the process. Like, you know, I really don't think that 
it's very hard for it to be immediate. You know, for most of us, it's it's a life, lifelong process. And, you know, you can always accompany it with the instant gratification of social media and the internet and maybe choose which work you put on social media because once you publish it on social media, no lit journal will take it. And, you know, maybe save, quote unquote, your, you know, more like literary work for journals where you think you can get published. Beautiful. And the manuscript you put together, how many pieces were in the manuscript that you were submitting to places? Well, the the one the in Spanish, um, mm-hmm. it's 40 poems. Not that that's um, a, you know, a prescription. Um, it's, it's called From Sunday to Sunday, Entre Domingo y Domingo. And every other poem is a Sunday poem, a numbered Sunday poem. Um, so it's 20 domingos, 20 Sundays, and 20 other poems. Kiriaki, my name, it means Sunday in Greek. No way. Yeah, God's Day, Sunday. Kiriaki, it's, uh, I'm named after my yaya. She's a saint, a martyr, Saint Kiriaki, but also Simera Denine Kiriaki or Simera Ine Kiriaki if today is Sunday or it's not Sunday, depending on when you're listening. But yeah, so it means Sunday as well. Yeah, I love the, the meaning, you know, and the, the storytelling uh, about the Sunday to Sunday. That That's so cool. Because, yeah, so I remember in 2012, I was in New York City and I was submitting to all these places online and you know their themes so one they want about love one they want about waterfalls one they want about this so when you were submitting did you have like an arsenal of different poetry pieces that you would have to like gather and look up to be able to apply to make sure it fits the theme of that month or that submission period quarterly for that magazine how was that experience for you did you enter poetry contests and submissions that way as well not too much to be honest more I wrote the work and I write it very much um, as I'm living. My work is very, very personal. Um, It's very, very rooted in the intimate details of my life. You know, it's like all out there. And then of course, I try to like fit it into the boxes of these contests, which, you know, I mean, you you can say that, you know, many poems are about love or about, you know, what other themes that, that seem to be recurring um, in the body, you know, things like that, um, sexuality. So, you know, I try to, it's like, a, I do it after the work is, is created. But, you know, if, if you go on submittable, which is, you know, pretty much how all literary journals these days are gathering work, it's a great discovery tool. And you can really look for contests, you can look for all sorts of different opportunities, and not all of them are themed. So, you know, I guess that could be very educational. So you gave that one resource. Are there a couple other resources that would be good for a poet so that that they can look up a website or, you know, a mentor or a, a platform that you really respect so they could, you know, get their journey in a very sophisticated, nice way? So Poets and Writers magazine is really great. You know, it's a, it's a subscription magazine. And I think you can also buy a lot of, you know, at Barnes and Nobles. Um, so that's a good that's a good resource. Source Duotrope is another website where a lot of literary journals are listed. But for me, personal Katie, personally, I I learned the most from going to school, from going to workshops, from going to classes. And I actually took some online workshops before going into my MFA with like Publishers Weekly or, um, you know, just looking online for different workshops where I could meet other writers. Um, You know, one thing that I've always sort of scratched my head at is how insular um, poetry can be. Like it's like solitary and you're writing and then you're submitting by yourself and you're getting published when you are. And then you don't even know who your readers are. There's no real interaction with these literary journals. They kind of just say, congratulations, you've been published. And then your work is published and then it's over. And it's like, 
I don't know, it started feeling anticlimactic to me, which is another reason why I, you know, was really excited about sharing my work on social media, because at least like that way, you know, at least my friends and family could read it and engage with the work. Yeah, great. And speaking of resources and social media, uh, personally, I had the experience when I published my first poetry book, self-publishing. I was going to all these poetry social media platforms that seemed like they had big followings or did, you don't know, and it's like pay to play. You pay them X amount of dollars and then they post. So is all that a sham or like, you can't blanket at all of it, but how is that for you of like contacting these poetry social media accounts? Is like, is that you feel like they're they're taking they're getting one on you or it's like, you know, like I, I, I did some of them. Like I spent a couple hundred dollars. I'm a self-published poet. I wanted on some platforms and, you know, you get these deals and I did it on some of them and, you know, spent, you know, it's not a lot of money, but, you know, I spent some money to, to do that. What is your research, your research on that with uh, doing? Doing that as a poet and and those kind of I see your face so yeah <laughs> just no, wondering you know I think one of them contacted me once and said you know for twenty bucks we'll share your poem with our hundred and fifty thousand followers and I'm like okay well let's try it and it was just like it didn't do anything it it really had no results like in the sense that you know there weren't people really reading it. I, I don't think they're, it's not real followers. It's not a real engaged community. Um, you know, that said, when I haven't looked into it, so I'm, I'm really, you know, sort of um, outdated, but there was a few poetry communities when I was just getting started that I'm sure still exist or have different iterations, you know, of themselves where people were really actually engaged and they would share like one poem a day and you would submit, you know, um, and it wasn't like this, like this insanely competitive publishing process, like at a lit journal, it was kind of like an intermediate, I felt. And I, I shared several poems that way. And that was great. Um, you know, I think verse daily or verse a day or something like that. And again, this was a while ago. So yeah, so I'm sure, you know, they've changed all these websites change so quickly. Because again, you know, these these poets are doing it pro bono, there's no money going around. Um, so these efforts tire. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I was thinking when you were um, sharing a moment ago. Okay. Like, yeah, you, you get published, but like, do you get paid? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. It's like, okay, being published, it's published, it's out there, but where's the money? How, how do we monetize? Right. There's, I think it's, uh, I get a poem a day from poet.org or poetry.org. They give a poem a day and you know, as a, as a, you know, as a writer, it's, it's nice. Some, I write very, I don't know, I've had to cut myself down because I'll do these like really long pieces. And I've learned to just like write shorter ones, which takes a lot of pressure off. But it's interesting to see these one a day poems that come in that are so unique. When you're doing your pieces, how is your process Uh, in the morning, day, night, Um, When you get that intuitive hit, when you have that thought, do you listen to it and go there and just stop everything? Or do you catch the thought and you're like, I'm going to write about that later? Do you practice every day? How many times a week? Like, has it been consistent through your journey? Or have you taken just years off and just had that writer's block that we all know about? So I think... Katie, there's like, and this is, you know, something that I've spoken about with many poets, um, especially one of my my mentors from MFA, that there's like a moment where as a poet, as an artist, you're writing, and there's a moment when you're authoring. And authoring is like that process by which your poems get out into the world. So there are moments of creation. And like, when I when I feel like, like last summer, I had a 
like burst like for the whole summer it was crazy i was just writing 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 i wrote like a whole chapbook's worth of work of material that like now you know i've edited and i'm going to share out into the world um in the fall i hope and that burst like kind of ended you know the flame died and now and then I had like the process of editing it. And now I'm in the process of looking where to submit. Also the process of sharing older work or new projects on social media, because I want to connect and expand and grow with my audience and with my readership and sort of have that author's platform. Because the reality is that if you, if you want an agent or if you want to sign a book deal, or if you want to publish a book, that's not a poetry book, the first thing they're going to ask you is what is your platform? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, if you don't have an answer for that, you know, they're going to go to someone who has, because I've spoken with agents, Katie, and what they say is at any given moment, there are hundreds of books that deserve to be published. But the ones who get published are the ones that have that extra ingredient mm. or sort of that, you know, we think they're going to do well. It's a business. And so I think that, you know, we have to be smart as writers and we have to be realistic to the ways, you know, that that the business works. So I'm not only a poet, I, I want to write fiction, I want to write nonfiction. Um, and I'd like for these works to get published traditionally. I definitely do think that the time that I invest in sharing my work thoughtfully and in sharing the work of others, of poets and writers and artists that I admire counts as work that's authoring, right? I'm authoring, I'm, I'm, I'm building this net from which I can hopefully launch future books. And then I'm also sort of hoping, you know, for that next burst mm. of creativity, mm -hmm. uh, of, po of poetry writing, because for me, it's, 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 it's a very particular state of mind. And it's sometimes a kind of a really hard state of mind to be mm -hmm. in. Um, I don't always want to live in, in, in that poetry creating brain because um, it really takes me out of reality. Mm. And it's very emotionally draining. Like I really do put it all out there. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's like nice to not be there and then go back to it and like, you know, carve my heart out again and again, and then go back to yeah. sewing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's when you have the strength and the courage and yeah, there's this book called clean and, um, by Alejandro Junger, he's from Uruguay and the 12th chapter is on quantum detoxification. So like, you know, energetically we need to like detoxify what we've carved and then have a healthy palate of a rotation to be able to have that vital force to go into it again. So I, I understand. Yeah, beautiful. Speaking of, you said some people you admire, who are uh, just a couple poets and uh, people, the greats that uh, were mentors or that you aspire to when you were little till and, and to now? Well, I, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, T.S. Eliot for me was was foundational. I'm publishing a book in April. It launched at the London Book Fair um, and then in the U.S. in May called A Petite Mal, which tells the story of my son's illness. And there's a poet guide in the book, which is T.S. Eliot and the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, because I, I say that when I read that poem in English class, like my poem gene turned on, right? Mm -hmm. That I had it in me. And then it like, even though I was writing these scribbles, I never thought that could be a life, Katie, you know? But when I read the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, which was, I remember it perfectly in my, you know, high school English class when we were reading John Donne, you know, 
poetry of God and religion and politics and patriarchy. And I was so done with it, um, done with done. And I read forward to my century and I found this poem in the Norton Anthology of Poetry. You know, so it was legit. And it was a, poet that's a poem that spoke to me. And it was a poem that rhymed when it wanted to, that had modern language even a hundred years later i felt it as modern i felt it as mine i felt that it was speaking directly to me and i felt like something switched really like on a genetic level and my book talks a lot about my son's illness how it came out of nowhere and what could have potentially switched it on his epilepsy and you know and the notion of epigenetics which is a really interesting idea that we are who we are but external influences and decisions that we make in our lives switch certain sides of our selves on um so i used t.s Eliot as a poet guide through the mm -hmm. book and then i also use clarice lispector um who's a brazilian author uh fiction writer but really i mean i think every single line of her work is poetry she's not really like a foil to Eliot. she's more of a different sort of voice um, and there's there's a line in one of her books that says, being happy is for what? This little girl in her book asked that to her teacher. And she like gets in trouble for repeatedly asking, like, what is being happy for? Like, what is that? And so I think that, um, you know, that's such a great question for when you're going through a, a seemingly tragic moment, right? So those two writers, I would say, are, are really near and dear to me. Um, and then another poet that I love would love to get um, more recognition for is a Colombian poet named Maria Mercedes Carranza. And the most recent poem that I did for an LA-based gallery called Epoch is actually a recasting, a gestural rewriting of her poem via both text and um, text-to-image generation via visual stanzas. Is it the one I saw on your Instagram the other day where you're standing and there's a screen and you're you're reading it? That's another poem, um, okay. but it's also on my Instagram, Oracion. Um, it's called Prayer, Oracion, which is after one of her poems. I'll remind you and I'll put it in the show notes so people can click and link and directly go to what you're talking about so people can see it cool. and hear Thank it. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate you. So diving into pivoting, when did you find out about blockchain technology? When did you pivot into Web3? Um, it was early spring of 2021, you know, probably like around February, March, I read all those splashy headlines that broke through the COVID headlines finally. And I and it was like really interesting to me what was going on. And I was like, you know, this makes a lot of sense to me. This makes, it was almost like the the, the the feeling of like that, you know, my poem gene turning on with the T.S. Eliot, it was more like, it was a different kind of poem gene turning on. I'm like, this, this is it. This is the way that poetry gets valued in a way that makes sense. As, as you um, so rightly said, you know, where's the money in publishing? Like you don't, you don't get paid to publish your poems, even in I mean, maybe you get like a check for, for some dollars, but not for a lot. And, you know, obviously we don't do this for the money, but there's like a recognition and honoring of the craft that I really do think is important. And I, I think that, you know, paying poets for the work that they do and their contributions to culture is important. And I think that collecting poetry, especially if it's spoken word poetry, because our voices are so intimate, right? It's like, you're really collecting something that can be revolutionary, you know, that can really change the game for poets. Yeah. And I really just want to be part of that. So I'm getting really emotional right here because, you know, I'm a fellow poet. So uh, like, I just want to know, like, why? Why? 
why do you feel we need to prove ourselves? Like, you know, I do voiceovers, I do spoken words, you write poetry, I write poetry, there's language. Why do you feel we need to fight and prove ourselves when it's right there where someone will go and they'll buy a, you know, a painting or an NFT, you know, or a fidgetal? And why is that? Other, why is there an additional explanation for the art, for poetry to to make it considerable to be like, oh, yeah, this would probably be a good investment or like, like, what is the psychology of the why the frustration that comes up? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, I think I think it's um, I think it's 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 like what I was saying. It's honoring the poet's craft is saying your work is valuable and we think it's going to continue to to gain in value and we want you to live off of it. We want to have the op- you to have the opportunity that, you know, not everyone does as an artist by any means, but you can aspire as an artist to one day make a living from your craft. You can aspire to that. You know, believably it might happen. It's not easy, but it's a possibility. For a poet it's not a possibility. But I think, you know, being able to live off of selling poems I just like I find it a fascinating dream, a self-sustaining poet, not a teacher, not a speaker, not a workshop giver, not a lecturer, you know, a self-sustaining poet. And yes, of course, there are so-called Instagram poets that have done really well and sell their books. And that's very, very valid and valuable. But I would love to see poets whose work is perhaps more challenging, more long form, you know, more traditional, let's say, in a way that sort of speaks to craft. Also gaining that kind of, you know, attention and livelihood. I think there's a beautiful statement, a value statement to be made about poetry's contribution to culture, um, because we all think it's valuable. We all think it's beautiful. We all think it's important, but sometimes it's important to also, you know, put your money where your mouth is and say, all right, let's, let's collect this and let's exhibit it too. You know, it's really important for curators, for um, exhibition organizers to include poets, to include poetry in the, in the shows that they're curating. It's telling people this is valuable. This work deserves to be in the show. It deserves to be viewed. It deserves to be engaged with. And then on a less sort of like monetary financial level, I think that by placing poetry in a digital realm in unexpected situations, you're also going to allow people who don't normally um, engage with poetry the opportunity to experience it, right? Not everyone knows where to find quality poetry. You know, it's, it's not that easy, like honestly, to know you know, to buy a Kenyan review or to go to the poetry section and know which volume to buy. Um, So if you're walking into a museum, if you're walking to a cool exhibition at a gallery and there's a poem there that's not just like three lines of text, you know, or like, you know, sort of hallmark or whatever, but an actual, you know, challenging poem, like many challenging works of art, and it's got sort of like the statement of approval from the gallery and the curator, you're expanding the possibility for people to engage with this work. Mm hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Great. Let's dive deeper into um, so being an entrepreneur that you are, you know, when you're a teenager with the online blog, um, you know, pivoting to the platform you have now, you created the verseverse.com. Yes. So I co-created that with two wonderful women writers in the space called Callan Iwamoto and Sasha Styles, both of whom I, I deeply admire. And um, we launched this gallery 
almost two years ago, Katie. And I think it's been really incredible to to see the reception that it's had. Um, you know, sort of like my my um, my mantra is poem equals work of art, and it's it's that of the gallery as well. And it's a very simple statement, but I think it's resonated very deeply um, with people in in Web three certainly, and hopefully beyond as well. I think people realize, you know yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like why, why aren't poems in museums necessarily? Like let's put them there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why so, not? Yeah, for sure. So did you meet the two ladies in web three or did you, were they your friends prior and you introduced them to blockchain? So, uh, we were all sort of doing different things in web three and I entered web three. I had actually like bought the domain for the verse first. And I had like the idea for the gallery when I started learning and engaging on Twitter, I had like this old Twitter account that I dusted off and like revived. I'd forgotten about Twitter. And I was invited actually to be part of a project led by a big influencer art chick. Um, she was like one of the big influencers of like the early um, sort of PFP days. That's her name, and- art chick. Our chick. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Just Wait. having clarification there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So our chick, she launched Ether Poems, Ether. and they were on-chain poems minted onto the Ethereum blockchain, and we were all part of the project. And so the that's how we met. And so I invited them um, to be part of it. Callan had already founded the Crypto Writers Discord community where she was gathering sort of like writers that were active in the crypto space. And, you know, I always give a shout out to Callan because she like helped me, you know, she's like set up a MetaMask and all that kind of early stuff like that. You read about Web3 and it sounds so great. And then you're like, you're like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> how do I set up a wallet? Like, what yeah. do I do? Yeah. How do I make crypto? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I mean, I wish I would have met you ladies then. That would have been cool to be a part of your journey when we're together now. But it would have been cool to be a part of your journey two years ago when you got when you ladies were first starting there. I, I don't know how I didn't uh, connect because the poetry community is not too big. I only have a couple like poet friends and I want to learn more about the verseverse.com too, you know, so people like myself can jump in. So someone who's tuning in, if they want to be a part of the verseverse.com, what does that look like uh, for other poets? What platform have you created? So the verseverse is a gallery. It's a literary gallery. So we are onboarding Katie, like we try to onboard like the top poets working today in the in the English and Spanish language, because what we want to do is we want to tell the crypto world and the art world, like these are, you know, top poets, and you need to respect and collect them as such. So we have a Guggenheim Fellow, a Pulitzer Prize finalist, the editor of the New York Times poetry section, really, really top poets. So like we haven't really created a platform where anyone can come and mint. We're trying is to elevate the form to draw attention to it so that as a format, it can thrive. And we also like host um, lots, like for example, we're doing a curation now for the Museum of Crypto Art, which we will be launching. And so it's poems, you know, from the community and I'm going to invite you and you can come and read. We're going to be reading in the metaverse at the Museum of Crypto Art. And the idea is to really like elevate the community. While we're trying to elevate the form, we're also trying to elevate the community and make sure there's opportunities for others, other poets like working in the space. We had also like a an event last summer, which was really great with Eight Scribo, which was a haiku, an open haiku writing sort of activation. Yeah. So that's that's Very kind cool. of how reverse verse works. Everything's gonna be in the show notes, but do you wanna, you know, shout out any social media handles, places to find you to connect? 
Sure, Katie. Um, that's great. Uh, my website is just my name, Anna Maria Caballero, Anna with one N. And then that's also me on Instagram, Anna Maria Caballero. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm Caballero Anna M-A, which is the shorthand in Spanish for Maria. So Caballero Anna Ma. And so those are the places I think um, people can most easily sort of track me down. Do you have nearby maybe a short poem that you want to read? Oh, sure. Yeah, I I actually have my book in Spanish here, which great. was published in January. You can, can read, read it in Spanish. Spanish. Oh, that would be great. I would love that. Okay, I'm going to read it in Spanish. I really literally just had it on my desk. Okay. Lovely. Um, Take your time. Take your time. Okay, I'll read a short poem in Spanish. This is a love poem. <laughs> Ahora se espera. Ahora no se quiere. Se espera. Ahora no se mira. Ahora no se toca. Ahora se espera. Ahora se piensa, se imagina, se calla, se ignora, se ocupa, se excusa. Aunque se sepa, se presienta, se vea. Ahora se calla, aunque se sospeche, se perciba. Se implore. Ahora se calla. No se busca. Se inventa. Se aguanta. Y no se cuenta. Beautiful. Thank you. Lovely. Very nice. So pretty. And then people can pick up that book somewhere? Yes, it's on Amazon. Um, it's in my link tree. Um, it's, uh, published by a Spanish publishing house called Valparaíso Ediciones. And we've got beautiful cover art by Tim Maxwell, um, who's a friend and, uh, amazing digital artist. Yeah. Is any of your poetry available as audio as well? You know, when you have books, there's audio books. Do you have that too? I don't have like a proper audio book, but most of my poems, Katie, have voice our spoken word, my digital poems. So if you go on my website and you look at my artwork, uh, my artwork are all poems um, and the vast majority of them have a voice component. Beautiful. So everything will be in the show notes so everyone can tune in, get connected. Any last words of wisdom or anything you want to um, share with the person tuning in? Um, no, just if you have any words of wisdom for poets, um, since you've also um, been you know, publish and do the whole thing, which I know is challenging. I'm sure that I'm interested to hear them as well. Always more to learn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just love how you're holding space and raising the bar for poetry. It's inspiring. I definitely look up to you. I'm excited to learn from you. And it just gives me motivation to take more action. And hopefully it gives the listener tuning in the permission to know that there are two poets here conversing and sharing for the person tuning in so we can learn and grow together and take that extra leap of faith and steps to take more action. We need more action. So if you're a poetry lover, if you know anyone who's into poetry and writing, I think it's important to share this episode with them, whether it's you taking the next step or someone else taking the next step, it's really important for us to take more action. I think that's probably, you know, the most wisdom I could share right now is 
to take massive action, even even more than what we know and what we could think about. So I think that's really important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then the education and going back and taking notes and, and writing down like the stuff you said, I definitely would like to, you know, take notes and, and take action and not and apply the knowledge because it's one thing to know it here to study it for 10, you know, two decades. But then there's the other thing of actually taking action and applying it. So, you know, I think that's really important and something that I learned from, you know, connecting today. Well, thank you, Katie. I really appreciate the space and I can't wait to hear your poems uh, via our avatar selves at the Museum of Crypto Art during that event. Yay. And then uh, I'll talk to you. Yeah, me too. And I'll talk to you offline for you. Well, just send me your public wallet because I want to send you one of my poetry NFTs. So as a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are welcome on the podcast anytime. So anytime you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome to come on. It's really awesome to have a fellow poet. So I'm really excited about, you know, uh, Web3 and the blockchain technology and, uh, you know, where we are now and where we're growing to. So it's really excited to share this moment with you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you. All right, Katie. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribing, liking, sharing this with at least one person on your social media platform. Because if you were in the top percent of Automobile's 4 million podcasts, please write in the subject, Poetry Anna. Uh, we have giveaways every single episode. So you could enter into the giveaway and maybe you'll win a Poetry NFT or um, you know a special gift. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out.